Hey there, gaming history fans. I'm Ben Bertoli. And I'm Push Dustin. And this is Memory Card. We're going to stop doing the intro you may have heard in past episodes. The format of our podcast should be pretty clear by now. But if you want to hear it, you should definitely go back and listen to those first three episodes. Time to get to it. Here we go. Booting up episode four. This is Ben, and I am the expert for episode four, and I am going to set the scene. It's 1994, Apple, who you might know for their phones now, but back in the day, they were just a computer company. So this is before the iPhone, this is before the iPod. Apple's big, but they're not quite the powerhouse that they are today. Steve Jobs, famous Apple founder, has kind of been forced out at this point, so you know there's not a lot of that innovative thinking that you... Uh, might think of when you think of Apple. So he's not going to be back for a while. Apple's putting out uh, PowerBook laptops and Power Mac computers, but nothing's like, you know, selling like crazy. Nintendo's hard at work on the N64, and Sony's about to launch the PlayStation in like in the next year. Yeah. Today we are going to be talking about the Apple Pippin. Do you know anything about the Pippin, Bush? No. No? Absolutely nothing. Perfect. I can't can't even imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll describe it here in a bit, but let's talk a, a little bit about how it uh, kind of came to be. So Apple wasn't doing so so hot in the market. Mm-hmm. PCs, old uh, Bill Gates kicking their buns. They were spending more money on research, basically, than they were actually getting back from selling products. And uh, the CEO, Michael Spindler, uh, approved this new initiative, which sounds really cool. It's called the Clone Initiative, where they clone human babies. Oh, wow. No, not that. So starting in 1995, Apple approved this third-party manufacturer initiative where they could create their own Mac-compatible computers, and this is where the Pippin idea comes from. It's kind of like, if you're old enough to remember VCRs, that technology, I believe, was created by uh, JVC, and they were Mm -hmm. like, hey, everybody can make VCRs, you just gotta, you know... (laughs) Just gotta believe in yourself. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's all it takes. Let's all make VCRs. <laughs> that was their marketing pitch where they went to the big companies. Hey, Sony, believe in yourself. <laughs> you Sony's too. just like, oh. <laughs> we can do it. So, so basically, they're relying on these third-party companies. It's kind of like, I guess, PCs nowadays where they said, hey, you can use this as your base. But if you want to make it better, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to make the audio better or the, the visuals better, online capacity, memory capacity, yeah. you can do that. Pump it up and sell it and do whatever you want. But you got to, like, kick us back. Some of that sweet dosh. <laughs> so they come up with this idea for a, it's basically a video game console, but the marketing for it is kind of odd because they don't want to just say it's a video game console. It's like a multimedia. Like, you can surf the net and you can, you know, it's got a CD-ROM drive. and Even mom can use it. Exactly. She can scroll the internet. Yeah. And also they want, they pushed it that like it could be modified for business and education. So if you're like, oh, you know, this is going to control our store kiosks or this is going to teach my son how to read, that kind of thing. (laughs) Be a better father than I am. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) VCR failed at doing that. So the Pippin was going to step in. Yeah. So the Pippin uh, basically, it's not a very attractive console. It, it kind of looks like a small pizza box that has a disk drive right in the middle. And it's got a bunch of buttons on top that are basically like 
play, pause, like fast forward, eject, that kind of thing. Okay. And then it's just got ports galore. I mean, you could plug like anything and everything into this bad boy. The controller, it, it looks like a boomerang, mm. kind of like a white or a black boomerang. And then it's got a D-pad, but it's like a complete circle that you kind of just like, you know, rotate in whichever direction you want. It's got colorful buttons on the right-hand side. And then in the middle, there's a trackball. Okay. Which is revolutionary, you know, because sometimes moving a, uh, a cursor around the screen is no fun. You want to you get rolling. Not the most attractive-looking console. Do you remember when they first announced the PlayStation 3? Yeah, I was about to ask that, like, if it looked like that boomerang shape. It is. It's very much like that, but it's a little less intense, I would say. Okay. <laughs> that PS3 one was, uh, was really, like, long. This one's a little, uh, a little more stubby. It's an interesting design. I've never actually held one. I would love to, but it doesn't look super comfortable. Mm. Do you uh, have any idea where the name Pippin comes from? Pippin? Pin, pin like pin code? No. No, it's actually named after Bull's small forward, Scotty Pippin. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> he just happened to be uh, at Apple that day. Yeah, yeah. No, it was actually, uh, the Pippin is a type of Apple. Oh, okay. The Newton Pippin is a smaller and more tart relative of the Macintosh, which mm-hmm. is kind of a cool connection, but also is just like the lamest thing you could do. We have the fruit company, and we're going to name our new thing after... Another fruit. A type of fruit. Yeah. <laughs> like a subgenre. <laughs> like, hey, this is a less effective apple. We'll name it after that. So they name it the Pippin, and they're basically looking for, you know, they don't really want to push these things out. They want someone else to step in and, and... Do all the work. Yeah, exactly. Do all the work, do all the marketing, and push it out. And then Apple just reaps the benefits. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Japan, Bandai, who's being run by uh, Makoto Yamashina, I think I'm pronouncing that right, alongside his father. Okay. Things are, are going okay, pretty well, but the, those two are clashing. Father and son are not getting along. Basically, uh, Makoto wanted to... Uh, become wanted to make bandai the disney of japan like he wanted to do everything like games and you know movies and video games and yeah everything his father wanted to stick with the action figures which bandai is known for and developing games for existing consoles he didn't really want to like be the new mm-hmm. home console he just wanted to do what they had been doing that whole time so apple meets with bandai and says hey we have this new amazing system and would you like to you know be the person the third party who kind of like takes control of it here in japan Koto's like, yes, definitely, let's do this. And his dad is like, no, that's a terrible idea. But he does it anyway, because, you know, sons are with their pride. <laughs> so they don't, they don't really have, like, the technical expertise yeah. to manufacture a device. So Bandai has to reach out to Mitsubishi to, as, like, a subcontractor mm-hmm. to produce the Pippin. March 1995, uh, they come out with, they don't even call it the Pippin. Like, it's powered by Pippin, I guess, but it's christened the Atmark, which I really have no idea what that means. Okay. Um, like just A T M A R K. Um, and it costs like six hundred and fifty dollars. It's very expensive, but it's got a dial-up modem and all sorts of other cool stuff. Like built in. Yes. Oh. So I mean, it is pretty cutting edge. In a July nineteen ninety six article in Electronic Gaming Monthly, a classic, they pointed out that the competing Sega Saturn and its separately sold Netlink device combined were still less expensive than buying that Mm -hmm. so maybe not the most cost effective and they were predicting sales of 200,000 pippins in the first Mm. 12 months that's what the that's what bandai was shooting for yeah didn't quite (laughs) didn't quite get to get like 20,000 i need to find it i have the official numbers down here somewhere 
so after this uh, a few months later there's so in the one in japan that launched was white the one that they're gonna they launched in america was black and that came out a couple months later it's called the at world okay still not sure what that means and this one was actually spelled with an at symbol oh so trying to play up the internet yeah exactly yeah that was the, the very first twitter handle right there yeah yeah at the world <laughs> i'm gonna tweet at the world also very expensive it retailed for 600 dollars, which was three times the price of the n64 and you also had to pay 25 dollars a month for the unlimited internet access oh so was, you, you were able to get like internet directly through this service like it was like it was like an isp yeah mm-hmm. huh and uh, Bandai, once again, they're like, hey, this time we're going to sell 300,000 of these bad boys. <laughs> so there's a lot riding on this, basically, for Bandai. They want to dethrone Nintendo and Sega, and they basically sink $100 million into the Pippin manufacturing and marketing. Jeez. And Apple, Apple doesn't really do anything. Yeah. They just kind of sit back and say, like, okay, well, you owe us so much off of each console sold. And uh, Michael Spindler, who I talked about earlier, the CEO... Um, in an interview with Business Week magazine, he said that the Pippin would likely be the savior of the company. <laughs> oh, how wrong he was. All right, before we move on to uh, the, the financial disaster that this Pippin was, we need to talk about the games because, you know, it's a game console of mm-hmm. sorts. Yeah. There are some weird games for this system. Uh, most of them are Japanese exclusive. Yeah. All right, so I'm going uh, gonna to say a game and you got to tell me is it a real real game okay it's our new segment real or not all right better homes and gardens cool crafts real game or not real game that is a real game good job <laughs> <laughs> one point for you i'm just like imagining like they're trying to sell it to like middle-aged women <laughs> <laughs> all right danjo's puzzle castle dx banjo danjo with a d danjo fake that is fake yes very good i made that one up dragon ball z ultimate power rage i feel like since bandai namco it's probably a bandai namco game so i'll say yes no it's fake Ah, (laughs) there is a dragon ball z game but it's called anime designer dragon ball z anime designer that's like the worst name (laughs) (laughs) and it's weird because the game was basically just making comics with different dragon ball z scenes so it's not anime designer if anything it's like manga designer okay all right Gus goes to the kooky carnival in search of rant. Wait, wait. Go- in search of rant? Rant. R-A-N-T. Uh, real. I'm going to say real. Yeah, yeah. It's real. Everything in my body says no. But... It's, a little, it's a little too weird. Urology studies. Fake. <laughs> no, it's real. Oh, why? <laughs> There's a game that's just about the urinary system. I don't yeah. know. I'm just praying it's educational. All right, two more. Gotta aim for the high score. Serve and swerve bartending. Fake? Yes, that is fake. Okay. All right, last one. Terror Tracks. That's T-R-A-X. Track of the Vampire. Ah, <laughs> uh, real. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is real. Uh, some of the lovely ones that I did not mention were Mr. Potato Head Saves Veggie Valley, oh. Home Improvement 1, 2, 3, Gus. Remember I mentioned Gus Goes to Cookie Carnival. Yeah. There's also Gus Goes to Cyberopolis. Oh. Which is, so I don't know what that is. It's like a is. whole series. Who, who made Gus? I don't know. I have to look that up. Uh, hold on, I can do that right now. The Gus games were made by Modern Media Ventures. The main character is Gus, a talking and singing dog. Of course. <laughs> That's amazing. 
but yeah, some of those titles are a little um, eccentric. And then there's some cooler ones. There's one called Gundam Tactics and uh, Power Rangers Zeo versus the Machine Empire. It was like a requirement, like the, the guy like in charge of the game naming Factory or whatever. He was just like, you know, send me the weirdest shit you got. <laughs> <laughs> and also like the most mundane and boring things. Yeah. <laughs> you want to learn how to water your plants? So the controller, I don't think I mentioned this, but the controller was called the Applejack. Which, I guess, because it, like, jacks into your computer, yeah. But there's a lot of different things you get as, like, add-ons. You get a floppy dock, which sounds lovely. Uh, you get a you get a keyboard, you get a drawing tablet. I mean, this thing had uh, versatility. It had, like, more um, add-ons than the Wii? Yeah, almost. Back to the horrible failure that is the Pippin itself. Basically, you know, Bandai did not recoup pretty much any of their investments uh dad was right yeah and uh the cost of developing the pippin was just like astronomical it destroyed the company a good chunk of it but obviously bandai is still around today so not to the point where it had to fold or anything like that yeah but yeah it was a a very bad gamble for them the exact sale figures are not known but they predict that only 15,000 to 40,000 were sold uh, in north america and remember, they were shooting for 300000 in the first year. So that's a little, a tiny bit below <laughs> what they were hoping for. There was one other company, even after this horrible, disastrous failure, uh, that stepped forward and were like, we want to use the Pippin. And that was uh, Cats Media, K-A-T-Z. Not to be confused with Mad Cats, because that was my first thought. It was like, well, Mad Cats, it's so crazy. <laughs> it's a Norwegian software company that I do not believe is still functioning today. Okay. And uh, basically, they were like, we'll take the Pippin and we're going to repurpose it as a kiosk display or for like hotel rooms. You know how you have to like go in. Like, I'm going to pay $7 to play Gus Ghost Cookie Carnival or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But but yeah, it's basically they wanted to like pitch it as like a low cost computer for hospitals and businesses and all that stuff. But hey, that didn't work out either. And uh, in the end, Steve Jobs comes back much like the Terminator, um, in 1997, I believe, and he says, dismantle the clone initiative, which is one of the coolest sentences you can say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so basically the Pippin at that point, like all the extra units were sold off, and Apple was like, hey, let's pretend that this never happened. And I think there's like one little tiny blip of information about the Pippin on Apple's actual website, like to this day, that's basically like, yeah, uh, we tried this a while back. And uh, nothing else happened. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> uh, everyone bought it. You probably just don't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is that's the Apple Pippin. It's it's an, a very interesting device that was, you know, obviously they thought it was going to be revolutionary and it, mm-hmm. it flopped pretty hard. That's all from us for now. Thanks for listening. We'd like to give a special shout out to Game Boy Chiptune Master Jamatar, who allowed us to use his track. Okay, I'm going to say it wrong. You told me how to say it last time. Midori. Midori? Midori. Midori. Okay. <laughs> you say it. Midori. As opening and closing music. You can find more of his banging beats by searching Jamatar, that's J A M A T A R on Spotify, or visiting jamatar.com. 
Also, special thanks to Adam Volk, who wrote an article about the Pippin for the Game of Logical Society. That article was very helpful to us. If you have any feedback on the podcast or want to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter. Ben can be found at SuperBenTendo, and I can be found at, at PushDustin. Be on the lookout for our next episode, dropping soon.